What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Bleachers. My name is Samantha. Jocelyn, I would ask you how you're doing, but I feel like you are just one elated for the aces, but also we just came off of watching New York versus Connecticut. It was a crazy game four, and I feel like I want to ask how you're doing, but I also feel like your emotions are just like everywhere. So I'm a reluctantly hi. How are you doing? <laughs> Damn, you know me too well, okay? I am still reeling. I'm still reeling from the last daggone game. And I know we're going to talk about it. I'm still reeling from Aces versus Wings because that game was a nail biter. I mean, super close. Also, very, very low scoring game. And then the game we just finished watching was a nail biter to the end. And I'm just, I'm just still on a cloud nine and also reeling and also pissed off and also annoyed, but also excited because the freaking apes are going to freaking kill this and we're going to do great and we're going to win. We're going to win the finals. We're winning. It's a big out here, baby. I'm calling it. You know the secret, y'all. You know my sophisticated spectators. Listen, Sam, you started me up. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm turning red. Who's hot? Hot. <laughs> oh my goodness see this is why i was scared to ask you how you were doing today because i feel like i already knew <laughs> you already knew you knew you see oh i'm just i'm just confirming <laughs> okay so if you've been living under a rock if you haven't gotten the privilege of watching game four connecticut versus new york we just saw new york take it in a nail biter mm-hmm. to clinch the last spot in the finals. So it's going to be Las Vegas Aces versus New York Liberty starting next weekend, October 8th. We're so excited. This is the series that I think everyone was predicting at the beginning of the season. Will to happen. Will to happen. Mm-hmm. We might dare say. Um, and said, other people would agree with us. Mm-hmm. But this is the, the series that everyone's been waiting for. The finals. Vegas is back. New York is in the finals for the first time in 21 years, I believe they said. It's been a long time. They are the only original OG WNBA team to not have a championship under their belt. So they are coming for blood. They are trying to do something historic for the New York Liberty. Meanwhile, the Aces are trying to do something historic. They're trying to be the first WNBA team to go back-to-back since the Los Angeles Sparks over 20 years ago. They're also the first team to go back-to-back since the Los Angeles Sparks went in 2016 and 2017. Unfortunately, the Sparks lost in 2017, so they did not win back-to-back finals. So Vegas is looking to, you know, etch their name in the history books as well. So we're excited. Both teams have a nice long break because the finals don't start until October 8th. And so we hope to see a lot of players rested and rejuvenated, getting ready for the final round, the mm-hmm. long-awaited finals for the WNBA 2023 season. And so for our highlight, we are going to talk about some predictions that we have for the finals some things that we want to see Las Vegas clean up, some things that we want to keep seeing from them, and then from New York, some things that New York also needs to clean up, and then some things that you know New York needs to keep doing. And so we're going to keep what we've been doing going, and we're going to talk about what each of the teams needs to do in order to win, and we're going to relate it back to some of the things that we saw in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. So we'll start once again at the top with the Las Vegas Aces. Um, They are definitely going to be a little rusty because they got a total of nine days off. Um, So they flew back from Dallas and they're getting a nice long break. We hope that they are rested, rejuvenated, strengthened. Um, We know that they have the home court advantage. Um, because they play the first two games in Las Vegas before heading out to New York. Um, So they need to use that to their advantage. You know, New York has a long way to travel. 
they haven't really left the tri-state area. You know, New York stayed in New York for the first round. The second round, they only went from New York to Connecticut. And so now this is their first time really getting on the road. And so we hope that Vegas will come out with a bang, even with a little bit of rust. We hope that they will come out with a bang. We hope that Becky will still, you know, do her rotations early, get some of those bench players in there, especially Alicia Clark, Kirsten Bell. We hope to see some of Sid Colson, some of Kayla George, maybe a couple minutes of Elena Coates. But we really want to see Becky more than a couple (laughs) we really want to see becky utilizing her bench early giving some rest to those starters um because we know that they have the potential to start off slow just because they're trying to shake off some of the rust um in terms of things that they need to improve 100 they need to improve on their rebounding we saw in the dallas matchup that Vegas was allowing a lot of second chance opportunities, which we knew uh, Vegas was uh, going to allow. And we knew that Dallas was going to do. Mm-hmm. One of the things LT kept saying to the wings was you need to maximize on your second chance opportunities. You have a lot of big sound low. You need to be taking that into your advantage and getting those second chance opportunities. And part of the reason why Dallas was so close in that third game for the entire game was because they were getting tons of second-chance opportunities. And on the converse, Vegas was not getting enough rebounds. They were not allowing for a man under the basket to get those offensive rebounds, and they were not committed to their defensive rebounds. So rebounds, again, is going to be the key to their success. I think that, you know, of course we have Asia Wilson, who is our MVP. She will forever be our MVP, and she's going to do Asia Wilson things She's going to be doubled. She's going to be tripled. Those guards need to do their best to make way and be open so that Asia can either go up for the basket or she can do a quick pass out of the paint um, because she's going to need help all around her because we know New York is going to come with the intensity. JJ is 6'6". Stewie is 6'4". That is a lot of height down there. Mm-hmm. I need for Kia. We love seeing those quick four points that she got in that third (laughs) Dallas game. I need to see four points from her again. I need to see her five rebounds. I would love to see her get seven, eight, nine, maybe ten rebounds. Mm -hmm. I want to see her using those shoulders. This is her old team. Bill Carter out of New York and into Vegas. This is her former team. Mm -hmm. And so I want to see her going shoulder to shoulder with JJ. I want to see her boxing out Stewie I want to see her setting those screens that she likes I want to see her utilizing her space on the floor like she does because she is going to be so valuable in terms of Vegas's spacing um I want to see the guards getting out those quick buckets but also those smart buckets I don't want to see them taking any lazy shots I don't want to see them missing layups because they're not well with their follow-through I want to see them making good shot selections. And last but not least, I need to see Candace on that bench. Absolutely. She was not on that bench in Dallas, and it showed. They struggled. And so we know that the key to their success lies in their veteran presence. We know that Asia has stepped up now as a vet of this league, but even she said she needs a vet in her corner. And so, Candace, we need you on that bench. We need you right in between the water cooler and the blonde lady because that's your spot. And you like to talk to the players while they're on the bench. So we need to see that. We need your positivity and we need your leadership. So that's what I see for Las Vegas. Wow. I mean, gosh, Sam, you really took all the words out of my mouth. (laughs) Right out of my mouth, okay? But I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think, but I would have to say this. I think because, not I think, I know, because we are in the finals. We we did it. We stamped that ticket, baby. It was it was hard. It was a rough road. I mean, the Wings gave us a run for their our money. I mean, what was the score? It was like 64 to, let me see. Let me go back. It, the end score, the ending, the final score uh, on Friday was 64 to 61. So, you know, it wasn't a high scoring game. We definitely looked tired. You know, there was a lot of issues there. And like you said, the number one thing was rebounding. And LT got on the wings about putting that, putting those shots back. Even in that game, every time they got second to third, four, they got like about four second chance shots 
uh, not enforced second chance shots. They got uh, attempts at trying to get the ball in the hoop. So knowing that now, I know that I know that Vegas. What they first need to do is look at film. They need to go look at those games where they were playing New York and go to back to the drawing board and say, okay, these are the things that we need to do to capitalize because on those matchups with the uh, with Vegas with the, the Liberty, excuse me with the Liberty. Vegas didn't really win most of those games. So the point is, okay, look at the game where you did win and do that plus more. Okay. I need everybody to level up. That's the name of that's the song. Sierra, thank you, girl, for giving that to us some years ago because and that's the why that's why that's the intro song. Because we have to level up. I mean, everybody has to play on a different level now at the finals. And I'm I'm looking for a sweep. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm going to speak it in because I'm going to speak it out because again, the secret. So the secret is the secret's out, y'all. I want to sweep, but the way that they can get this done is by playing together. As you said, Sam, I need them to play way better than they played against the Wings because that game looked really bad, and the Wings exploited all of the Aces' weaknesses. And all that the Liberty have to do is go right on back to film and say, how the heck did we kick on the Aces earlier this season? We need to do that. So in order for the Aces to completely dominate and win this first game uh, and sweep the rest of them is by staying focused, focused, focused. They need to be locked in. As you said, I I got it from one to five. I need all of them to be on, and I need Becky to also be on. I need her to be able to recognize when she needs to start do those rotations, like you said, Sam. If she needs to put them in early, fine. If they have to do that, I really would love to see Elena Copes playing more time in the finals just because she's an extra body to help out down low, also to tire out JJ, to tire out uh, to tire out even if you want to put her on Stewie for a little bit. We need somebody who's smart on defense. Even if she gets some fouls earlier on, it's just to show you, okay, I'm here and we're, we have some more height down low. And we're going to stick it to you just to maybe even just tire out J.J. or frustrate J.J. because we know how she plays sometimes when she's frustrated. We'll get to the to the Liberty. But I really want to see Elena Coast having more time. Asia, like you said, Sam, she's just got to be locked in. They're going to throw two. They're going to throw three at her. We already know Asia is a bucket, as her best friend would say. So she just needs to stay focused and locked in on there. And if she is struggling which I'm not even going to, honestly, not even going to put that out there. But we just have to make sure that everybody is knowing their position and they're able to see if, like, the bigs need to kick the ball back out to just even reset and get a better, uh, you know, position on posting up. Do that. I need Kelsey to have great shot selection this game, all all series for the for this final series. She needs to because we do not need her taking crazy shots right off the bat and not even letting the offense set up. I need Chelsea to be the point guard that she is all 40 minutes of the game from start to finish. And her, along with Candace on the sideline, because, yes, the key factor is Candace on the side. That's who we really are definitely going to need to make sure that she's there because Candace sees so many things on the sideline, and she can help tell everybody what needs to happen when they're on the bench or when they're just close to the bench. And I know Chelsea is definitely one that that likes to consult not only with Becky, but with Candace on the side. So Chelsea sees a lot of things. I need her to be on. I need those passes, those new look, no look passes to be on. I need them all to be in sync because we know what it looks like when Chelsea is not really in sync with the team. The ball goes out of bounds and there's a turnover. So we definitely need to limit those turnovers and I have not any. I mean, I'm talking first quarter, no turnovers at all and just locked in on defense. Uh, and offense. Also, I'm going to need Jackie. Jackie, my, my girl, Miss Young. I'm going to need her to be aggressive, driving on on offense. Defense, we kind of sleeper. Like Asia said, people sleep on uh, Jackie's defense. She has great defense, and I need her to stay in front of always recovering. And I love to see I actually like seeing that against the Dallas uh, Wings team. She was on Arike for a bit, and she knew exactly how to play her just because, you know, they played together. She knows her game. I need her to study, just like Alicia Clark. Like, I need them to all get with Alicia Clark and pick her brain on defense because no matter who Alicia Clark is on, she's already done 
research and she's already done her homework on what she needs to do to take away their strengths. So you need to get with Alicia Clark. We all just need to exploit and work together on everybody's strengths and make sure that we keep pushing that forward. That's how we sweep. That's how we win. That's how we go for a two P baby. That's it. <laughs> Well, nicely said. Um, <laughs> moving on to the New York Liberty. Um, first of all, the New York Liberty need to figure out how to get Stewie involved. I think that they have a lot of great players. They have some uh, WNBA champions. They have some former MVPs. They have the reigning MVP now. Um, and so they got a lot going on over there. I think that but Stewie is going to be their key. Stewie is the true leader of that team. And so they don't play well when Stewie's not playing well. I don't care who else is out there. If Stewie's not doing well, the team is not doing well. And they may still etch out a win, but it's not going to be pretty. So they need to make sure that Stewie is as involved as possible. They need to be making sure that they're getting her those open looks because that's where she likes to run, those mid-range jumpers. Even from the top of the arc, she likes those spaces, and so they need to make sure they are giving her those spaces. Yeah. I think one of their X factors, we've talked about her before, Lethal Laney. Laney Woo. is tight on defense. She is great on offense. She does it all. Yeah. And so they are going to have to make sure that she has touches, that she makes buckets, because she is a bucket. I think that they also need to shoot at least 40% from the three. They do well when they shoot 40% or more from the three. That includes involving Sabrina Ionescu. Sabrina needs to work on getting open. Jocelyn, we have talked about this so much, especially in the Connecticut game, about how Sabrina does not make herself open. She waits for the defense to lag and just so happens to stumble into an open spot. That is why she has not been shooting well from the three in the Connecticut series, because Dijanae, Ty Harris, Heidemann were on her behind the entire time. Sabrina is not a dribbler. She does not drive oh, to the hole. Just call it what it is. Oh, <laughs> she, she doesn't do well on the dribble. She does not do well driving down the paint. She needs to have that wide open three. And we know how Sabrina can get when she gets those wide open shots. She can easily go seven for 10 from the three. She can have a quick 21, 24, 27 points just by shooting from the three. And that is what's going to propel them ahead offensively. So. Sabrina needs to get those open looks and she needs to make those open looks because Vegas is going to be tight on D. It doesn't matter if you got Kelsey on you or if you got Chelsea on you. I think she's a little bit better when Kelsey is on her. So she needs to be making herself open. And for the rest of the team, they need to be doing things to make her be open. That includes setting screens. That includes knowing your spacing and making the defense collapse because that is what's going to get her open and that is what's going to give her the best opportunities. Um, I think we need to keep J.J. out of foul trouble. J.J., we've seen a lot of times, will get those two quick fouls at the beginning of the game and then has to sit even deep into the second quarter. So we need to keep J.J. out of foul trouble. She needs to wash those elbows because now people are watching. She likes to throw a quick elbow. She likes to throw a nice long forearm. She got some long arms. She got a long wingspan. When you're six six and you're throwing an arm, it's a little bit more obvious than yeah, when you're five eight. Noticeable. So she needs to watch those arms. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's what I got for New York. I I love that. You're absolutely right. I mean, just kind of going back really quick to Sunday afternoon when they were playing Connecticut. Uh, you know, we saw a lot of frustration on their side. They did eventually get it back. The Liberty eventually got it back and obviously got the W, but definitely putting JJ in foul trouble. So what does Asia need to do? I'm going to just kind of go back and forth. What Asia needs to do is take it straight down to JJ. What JJ needs to do uh, on Asia is completely guard her straight up. And she's a tall girl. She's a tall lady. So, you know, they're both great scorers down low. They both have their moves. Uh, they both know how to capitalize. Stewie does have to get involved as well. Like you said, 
they really play extremely well when Stewie is feeling good offensively. Yes, they can win without Stewie scoring so much, but it never really looks pretty. So as long as they keep Stewie involved and they get her some touches, they're going to be a problem. And if Stewie's focused and locked in, not only on offense, but on defense. When Stewie gets her little blocks here and there, she's really starting to feel it. And she always gets her blocks on Kelsey. So hopefully Kelsey can figure that out and not drop, dribble into traffic and to the Twin Towers down low and get her, her behind in the right position to pass or to shoot when she's open, when she gets that catch off the screen, just like who? Sabrina Ionescu. She's got to be wide open, as you stated, Sam, when she's wide open, hand down, man down, she's going to knock it down. And we already know that. So Sabrina has to make sure that that happens. It was only one game that I forget which series it was where she had a great game where she noticed that she didn't have the three. This is Sabrina. She didn't have the three, so she started to create space for herself. She started to drive. She took her time on that. But how do we take that away from Sabrina? Pressure, pressure, pressure. Pressure bust pipes. Pressure bust pipes, okay? So I need maybe Sid to be on there because sometimes Kelsey does get tired playing against her or just not really reading the screens properly. And I think what uh, who needs to be on uh, who needs to be on UNESCO is Chelsea. Gray has more height and she's smarter on defense. So you're not really seeing a lot of you know major quick steals from uh, from uh, you know Chelsea because Kelsey's more like that. Kelsey's more like that. But what Chelsea does is smart. She anticipates passes well, passes well, and she knows how to pick your pocket. She knows how to set you up so like you're out of your rhythm. And that's deflections that disrupts offense for uh, for the Liberty. So as long as they have, as the Aces has Kelsey, uh, Chelsea rather on Sabrina, we're gonna be good. Um, also, what I need to happen is, like you said, Kia. Instead of four points, let's up that up to six, girl. Get two more, baby girl. Get two more. I need you to be big on rebounding, rebounding, rebounding. That's what the Aces need to do. And how do we uh, make sure that we do that is getting position. For the, you know, for the Liberty, you're taller down low. So the Liberty has to be, you know, in position one. So there's no over-the-back calls on them, JJ, <laughs> with the elbows flailing and all that stuff. Like you almost completely clobbered motherfreaking AT today. AT had to go out to the on locker room because she had a, we don't even know, abdomen, upper body somewhere, side, hip, what, I don't know what it was, but she definitely got hurt, but she would have been back out there. But yes, JJ definitely has to be careful of those elbows. But again, put JJ in foul trouble aces, we're going to be good. But JJ playing smart defense is going to really help her. She's going to get those blocks, but she needs to make sure she's timing where she when she flails those hands and, and getting ready to, to plop down on that ball, she needs to keep her eye on the ball. So she's making sure that if she doesn't get that, um, if she's not just there to get that, you know, block, she's at least a body to just kind of like anticipate a possible miss and also get them rebounds. We need big rebounds from JJ and from, uh, from uh, Stewie. That's how they would really be winning. And I think uh, also Kelsey and Jackie from the three, if, if by any reason Sabrina gets hot or Johannes comes in the lethal or, uh, what is it, uh, Dolson comes in with hitting those threes, we are going to definitely need the aces to return that because we do not want to get outscored because of the three, you know. But, again, shot, shot selection is really key. Also, Alicia Clark coming off the bench. She's going to need to definitely knock down those threes when she's set up because she'd be taking a long time. So if you're going to set up for five years, I'm going to need you to knock down five buckets. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's, if both teams really play to their wheelhouse, they'll be great. Also, I do have to say, I guess it should have been in my highlight, but shout out to Ty Harris playing on for the Connecticut. She had some big threes at the tail end of the game. Uh, on Sunday, unfortunately, it was just a day late and a dollar short, kind of, for them. But it really would have been, uh, it was really great to see her just dominating in that space. And I'm so happy and proud of her. So I just have to make that nod to her. But again, um, for the Aces, you got to protect, you got to protect the bats. You need to get second chances because the, the, I know the Liberty will. The Liberty are really good at rebounding and we do not need them to get second chance shots down low. Great 
recap. So yeah. we are excited for the finals matchup. Once again, it starts on October 8th. So mm-hmm. we have a nice long week yeah, to prepare. Um, but something that you brought up that we thought would be good to talk about because people on social media were talking about it. We were talking about it on our live today on Instagram mm-hmm. um, was that play where JJ and AT went for the ball. They had some sort of tussle, fumble, fall <laughs> underneath <Entangled>. the basket. <laughs> Entanglement. There was no call by the refs. And there was a little bit of controversy because some people felt like in whatever way the game should have been paused um, because it actually ended up being a tumble that wasn't intentional. But as a result, AT ended up getting a bit more banged up. She had to go into the locker room. Um, She was out for a decent portion of the game. Um, And when she came back, she definitely looked like she was wincing on the bench. But I feel like anybody that knows AT... It was a dire, you know, winner go home dire situation. And she was not going to sit on a bench very long. She was going to thug it out and she was going to go in that game and do what needed to be done for her team. Um, but, I mean, we definitely talked a lot about it offline. We talked about it on the live. We talked about it before we got to recording. Just about the rules of, first of all, was it a foul? Was it not a foul? Where does the referee decide to use their own personal judgment? We talked about, well, okay, if no foul is called, how do we get the game to stop? Because it ended up being a four-on-four, and then J.J. ended up being able to bounce back, but A.T. was still at the baseline, on the floor, very visibly in pain, and still there was no stoppage until Ty Harris called, you know, drew the foul. And then you had Steph White that was kind of, jumping up and down on the sidelines and we could only assume that she was saying call a foul call a foul call a foul you know because she didn't have possession to call a timeout but was very visibly like waving her arms and leaping and (laughs) bouncing down the court as the players were coming so she was obviously yelling something to her team and the team was just I guess not hearing her in the moment it was a lot going on we have watched the play over and over and over again we have tried to find you know we were reading in the rule book and trying to find like the specific rules for for players down and what calls should be made and blah 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 we've done a lot of investigating um and so we're just gonna talk about it um because i think that there's no right or wrong way to approach what happened um obviously the refs called or opted not to call. They called a no call. It was a no call. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then that ultimately led to a discussion of do we would we like to see some rules being added or adjusted to further protect the player's safety? And we've seen that over the last couple of years, especially with the reckless closeout um and effort to stop the spraining of the ankles and right. potential like lower leg damage um that can happen as a result of you know not having enough landing space um and so that is a rule that has been implemented this season to kind of protect the players and be a little bit more on the court and so when we're seeing plays such as this one for those of you that didn't see it it was about 20 seconds into the fourth quarter if you want to go back and watch it um but that was an instance where there really is no like set rules because it you can't really tell if it was a like we were kind of going back and forth as to whether it was a foul, maybe it wasn't a foul, you know, and then if it's kind of up for debate, where does the ref stand in all of that and how does the game proceed given the call or lack thereof? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we definitely went back and forth on on this one, Sam, you and I. And I did have to completely go back to the footage and rewind it, pause it, see what was going on really what the position was because initially I was livid like live when the game was going I was livid that that we both were yeah right that there was like no call and the fact that that AT was on the ground almost like sort of immobile at one point like not even like rolling around or anything to see that she was okay that was really scary you know to see and Obviously, the camera's already just moving because the, you know, the ball is still in play and there's already a transition going down the opposite direction. 
and uh, Connecticut had the ball. So it was insane. You know, was it Connecticut? No, no. Was it Connecticut? Connecticut did Connecticut, have the yeah, ball. Connecticut they ended the up ball. scoring. Right. Yeah. So it was really tough because, you know, as a viewer, you're just watching the game and whatever the cameraman is, is putting on. So the cameraman saw, got all of that, really. And when they did the replay, we could see that there was an official that was right there when all this happened. I mean, there was it was clear as day. He had front row seats. He was right on the court, right literally beside him. And I was looking at him like, call him. Like, he needs to go. You need to eject that referee. Fire him. Because I was so pissed that there was just no call whatsoever. And, you know, I had to go. That's why, that's what prompted us to go and looking into the rule book, like, what would cause a ref to be able to stop a game? Can a ref stop a game? So I started to say, maybe we need, at least in the rule book, to allow a, a ref to have each official, and normally there's three, to have a timeout so where they can call timeout on their end for whatever the reason may be. And uh, I don't know how long it should be, maybe a minute, maybe, you know, maybe a 60 second, I don't know. But either way, they should be able to have a timeout and be able to call it if something like this were to happen because you do not want to have a player on the floor and the ball is in play and possibly risk getting re-injured from their original injury or injuring somebody else because they're on the ground and mobile. And I don't think that it should be a, a T a, you know, an actual coach will have to then use their timeout on something like that. When I just think out of just human decency, the game should stop if somebody's hurt and we did run the risk. And, you know, like you said, there's been discourse on uh, Twitter around the fact that like, okay, well, if that is the case, there's a chance that some players, which we already see happen, might flop and then they might delay the game on purpose because they want to, you know, for whatever reason, maybe catch their breath, give the give the team time to set up or whatever the case may be. Um, so then, you know, that could just completely deter the, the flow of the game and also the time of the game. The game could run longer due to all this stop and go, stop and go nonsense. So, I mean, I still think that the way that we can completely negate the issue is by allowing the referees each one timeout per game for situations like that. And that and it to be specifically written out and bulleted of like when it's appropriate for a t- uh, for a referee, for an official to call a timeout. And, that, and up there should be if there is an, uh, a player that's visibly injured and incapable or immobile and not capable to play while the ball is in play, while the game is in play and inbound. So I think that should be the rule because them relying on their judgment, we already see what the officials are doing with their judgment. Sometimes their judgment is wrong, and the whole entire crowd can see it. You know, sometimes there's no cause, it's terrible, and but it is specified within the rule books that a referee has that, uh, you know, has that authority. They can then make the judgment for them for themselves. And that's how we see sometimes these terrible calls or terrible no calls. It's because it's it's for their own judgment. It's for the, their own, you know, calling of what they see in front of them. Homeboy was looking at that daggone play like, I don't know what to do. It's a no call, I guess, because I don't know. It's not, I don't think it's a foul. I don't think it's this. I don't think it's that. And, you know, here we go. We have AT on the ground in pain and completely not in the game. There and you had her teammates over here playing four on five, you know, and even JJ was a little upset about the call about the no call, you know, as she got up eventually and like looked at the ref annoyed because he was right there. So I don't know who number eleven bald head black man was, but I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. You need to look at that. I don't know if he were to look at the game again and see what he would call. But I think my call is to add a, a timeout for the officials for instances like this. If a player is hurt or injured on the floor and the game is still in play and the ball is still in place, just so the coaches don't have to use their timeout. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely think that it's like a hard situation. Um, I think that we talked a lot about, and we've talked about this, like even prior to this incident and other games that Connecticut has played, that Connecticut definitely has some players that like being on the floor, yes. literally. We see Dwayne every five seconds <laughs> is falling on the ground. We see Tiffany Hayes, and she's very aggressive in, uh, down low, and so she's always falling on the ground. We see mm-hmm. AT getting visibly frustrated a lot, and sometimes that causes her to make 
stupid, silly mistakes. Uh-huh. Um, and sometimes that means she's on the ground. So we see a, a lot of their players playing with a lot of aggression, but they're also always on the ground. And sometimes when you are that player that is always on the ground a lot or always seeking the call, uh-huh. it can come across as flopping. And it sometimes works to your disadvantage because then the rest will kind of feel like oh there she goes flopping again so we're not gonna call it mm-hmm. and so when something does happen then you run the risk of almost like crying wolf like the refs don't believe that you're actually injured because you're always on the floor and it's like <laughs> one minute you're popping up you know after just like being rolling around like a fish out of water you know mm-hmm. so it's like sometimes it's hard to tell because we've seen instances where I mean, Joanna is 6'4". It can't be easy falling at 6'4". You know, so when she's on the ground, we're like, oh my gosh, like, we don't like to think about Joanna being 35 because she's just, we don't like to think about people's ages. You know, right. you ball, you ball, you know. But then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, Joanna's on the floor. She's 35. We know how thin she is. Thin like, this could be stitches. tragic. <laughs> right. And then she's like wincing in pain. We're like, oh my gosh, like, is this the end of the road? Like, right. this is about to be this worse than we think it is. Yeah. And then five seconds later, she just like pops up and she's like, Bring oh, up. I'm back. And it's like, were you injured? <laughs> right, like, so when you sick. see a player like that, or even like Tiffany Hayes, like I know Tiffany Hayes is super tough competitor, you know, but she has a history of knee injuries. Mm-hmm. So it's not uncommon for her to, you know, end up on the ground and grab her knee. But that doesn't every time mean that she has like an ACL tear. That yeah. just means her knee is extra sensitive because she's had injuries on it before. Right. But she also was one to tough it out and be like, nah, I'm good. Like I'm going to stay in the game, you know? Mm-hmm. So at what point, like, and there's no answer to it, but at what point does it work to your detriment when you're always on the floor and then when you actually need the call, you don't get the call, Yeah, you know? And I think that Connecticut has found themselves in that position a lot where they want the call. They think that they're very deserving of the call, but because they're a very physical team that happens to be on the floor a lot, when they really maybe deserve the call, they don't get it. And I think in this instance, you know, when I kept like rewinding it over and over again, I kind of felt like I was a rep, like yeah. how the rest, they rewind and they play and then they back it up and then they Absolutely. play and, they, and then they go forward and then they back it up and then they play it again. Like We're I watched it now, so many times. <laughs> right. We have become official league. <laughs> but I really, I mean, it really couldn't have been easy to make that call. Yeah. And we always talk about how um, the calls have to be made super quickly. You have to be ready to make that decision, ready to blow that whistle, because when you have those late calls, it really just throws off the whole momentum of the game. Because you get a call and then it's like, wait, where'd that whistle come from? It's like 10 seconds late, you right. know? Right. So, when, you know, in that moment, he had to make a decision. Like, do I call it? Do I not call it? Mm-hmm. And from what our angle was, um, basically what the camera was seeing mm-hmm. was two players one about four to five inches taller than the other maybe even more um jumping up towards the basket trying to get the rebound one obviously has arms that are a lot longer than the other and so the reach was a little bit more over the head kind of leaned in a little bit you had at that was underneath trying to lean against that lean so they were kind of leaning in towards each other and then when they came down they ultimately kind of came down in the same space Mm -hmm. neither of them got the rebound (laughs) which was unfortunate they just (laughs) kind of bounced off of both of their hands so all that fighting and neither of them actually got the rebound Mm -hmm. but they end up landing in each other's foot space you know neither of them end up with the ball but because jj is roughly four or five, I don't know, four to five inches taller Mm -hmm. and probably about 25 pounds heavier, you know, ended up on top of Alyssa to the point where Alyssa was almost like bent in half, you know, and then you saw Alyssa kind of like falling over and then pushing JJ off of her and none of it was intentional. You know, obviously they're just fighting for the rebound and, you know, the tussle kind of happened. It wasn't anybody's fault. And surprisingly enough, there were no arms entangled, like, right, you, you know, JJ with elbows. But surprisingly enough, there was no elbows involved, no forearms, no nothing. It was yeah. literally all body. And I think just simple gravity kind of took over in that instance. 
And so if I put myself in the minds of the ref, like I've already put myself in the minds of the player and I'm like, what? No call? Like, what the heck? But in the minds of a ref, like when you're watching all of this happen and you know in that very split second, you have to make a decision. Am I going to call it? Am I going to not call it? And if I call it, I have to know who I'm calling it on. Yeah. Because I have to not only say it's a foul, but it's a foul on who, Mm -hmm. because of what, like what type of foul is it? And go from there, like, because the type of foul determines the course of action that follows, mm-hmm. you know? And so in that split second, if I'm the referee and all I'm seeing is these two bodies, like, jumping in the air and going after a ball that neither of them got, <laughs> and then they both landed in the same space and tumbled on top of each other, and I have the responsibility of making that call mm-hmm. because it could determine the trajectory of the game. Right. I don't want to be a referee because so you're saying you wouldn't have called anything it's a bad call either way you know you make the call and then you risk you know people being mad at you you don't make the call and you risk us being mad at you that's a a you know and so that was that was the thing that we were reading about how when the call is kind of unclear or there's that uncertainty that in the rule book it says that the referee Essentially, I'm paraphrasing, but they essentially have the right to use their like referee judgment. Yeah. They they use their own discretion, mm-hmm. and hopefully, you hope that they are using their best judgment and not erring on one side versus the other. Right. Um, and I think that a lot of times when you are trying to use your best judgment and seem neutral, the neutral thing to do is to not call. Now, obviously, there's going to be one side that may be a little more hurt than the other if you feel like your player was the one that was fouled. But I think the mentality is the safer call is to not call it on anybody and let the game continue. I do agree that at that point, a decision has to be made. And I'm sure in that moment, Steph White was probably like, what the heck? Like, that bigger player is falling on top of my player and my player is the one on the floor. Like, how is that not clear? You know, because that's what we were thinking. Like, Alyssa Thomas is clearly on the floor more hurt than JJ. So why is that not a call? But also, like we said, the referee used their referee judgment, did not make the call. The play continued. And so at that point, as a coach, or a teammate, you have a decision to make. Like, we now have possession. Do I let the game play on because now my team has a chance to get two more points? Or do I call the timeout because I have possession of the ball and sacrifice the possession? Or as a, you know, and then as a player. And lose a timeout. Right. And lose a timeout. Or as a player, do I, like, at, at what point is the awareness that you have a fifth player missing? Like, if you're aware of where your players are on the floor, where did that awareness come in? Like, wait a second, we have a giant hole in the middle. Like, AT is usually the one in the middle. Like, where the heck is she? You know? And so, and in those moments, you, like, the, the call was already made, or the call to no call was already made. You know? So at that point, as a coach, as a player, you have a decision to make. And ultimately, I think that's why we saw Steph White kind of, like, waving her hands and bouncing around on the sidelines because my feeling was that she was saying you know and trying to get to because a foul you can always make up for right you get like five fouls before you go into the bonus so the hope is that you do a quick foul now and maybe tighten up so that you don't get into the bonus early on you know what I mean but a timeout you can't get back yeah so I think the goal was like if I can get this quick two points that we can foul real quick, stop the game, and address the issue. Yeah. You know, I think uh, the other part of the problem was no one was really paying attention to Steph. Steph was yelling. Nothing was happening. And then when it finally was realized, like, oh, shoot, our players on the ground, we need to call – we need to do something to stop the game. Yeah. JJ was already under the basket going for the easy layup. Ty Harris, you know, grabbed around her to foul her. But at that point, like, JJ's a pretty decent free throw shooter. Like, yeah. he's probably going to make it. So it's like – you fouled at the wrong time, so now you've given the Liberty a chance to have two points, and you still have your player on the ground. So it was a very chaotic, like, 30 to 45 seconds of play, a lot of missed opportunities. If one thing was done differently, it could have changed the whole trajectory of that period in general. Yeah. Um, and so, And so, yeah, it does lead to the discussion of, like, what 
safety precautions need to be put in place in order to protect situations like this. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily have an opinion on what should be done. I just know that with all of the safety thing, like safety rules that are being implemented into the game, I also feel like if you're going to implement all these things into the game rules, the league also has to consider what things they are doing that are hindering player safety. And that includes back-to-back games or games every other day, um, not having private jets or, you know, having to fly commercial Mm -hmm. um, and the wear and tear that that puts on players' bodies, Um, players not having appropriate, like, training facilities Mm -hmm. or, you know, having to share a gym with another team that may force them to not have their home court. Like, all of those things go into player productivity and ultimately player safety. Um, So as we start to talk about things that can be implemented in terms of rules to make the game safer, I think it is important to also acknowledge that the league needs to make some changes in order to make the game as a whole safer. Because when we're talking like back-to-back games, you're talking like wear and tear on people's bodies that makes them more prone to those ankle tweaks or those, you know, those falls because they have fatigue, um, those knee injuries, those, you know, little like finger joint tweaks, like things like that, that wouldn't happen if your body was rested, but because you're tired, you're being a little bit more careless. Um, And then in terms of travel, we've talked time and time again about like the oxygenation levels when you're at high altitudes and what that does for inflammation and you know, the tight spaces and not being able to stretch out, you know, when you're six over six feet sitting in coach, like that's not ideal. Even for me, who's five, two, I don't like sitting in coach, you know, so (laughs) being six feet and not being able to stretch out your legs to ice your knees to ice your ankles to, you know, do all of those things, even just to lay out and stretch out like you would in first class, you have the luxury of like the extra leg room, extra elbow room, like all of those things. Yeah. Right. All of those things play into player health. Um, And so as we're talking about, like I said, incorporating more rules for safety, also talking about what that looks like in terms of the overall health, including mental health of the players. Yeah, I think that we we can talk a lot about that, right? I think Kelsey Plum said it best, too. I think the priorities are just not in order for the league. You know, they're talking expansion and they still have issues with CBA. They still have issues with travel. They still have issues with player health and safety. So I think that, yes, that needs to be at the forefront because the product is these players playing at their best ability, right? Performing night in, night out, especially sometimes when they're back to back night in, night out. So like you need to negate a lot of these, you know, issues and challenges that make it harder for these players to play at their best. But going back to the instance of uh, JJ basically clobbering <laughs> AT, I think that the solution would be to allow the refs to have that, like I said before, that uh, that opportunity to have a timeout where they can then call it for situations like that. So then that means that the coaches won't have to use their timeout, that the players can focus in on what's happening in the game and the you know everything's all good and set and the clock will stop once the refs calls this timeout and that's that I think it can just completely stop everything also it'll help the refs get in the game and, and get the uh get the other officials attention too because a lot of times there's some refs that don't see everything you know what I mean so I think this can negate that time um as a whole because we definitely want to make sure that these players are healthy that they're okay and that they're safe, especially while they're working. This is a work environment. You want to make sure that, let's think about it, just common decency, human, like a human decency will have it. If like you see somebody hurt and falling, you want to go and check on them immediately. That's just it. Done. So maybe there needs to be a time uh, between like, you know, like maybe like how they have a, a time before you can get the ball over a half court uh, once it's inbounded. I think there needs to be a time, maybe like a 10-second call of like, okay, one Mississippi, two Mississippi. If this player is still on the floor and not up, then that should be when the ref should be able to call their timeout to, and have that uh, that player get some assistance if they so need be. You know, because I don't see why a game will continue on when somebody's completely laid out on the floor. You know, and in that same token, to negate any uh, delay of game, 
if that player is not able to sell it, then that should be a penalty or something like that. Maybe they lose possession of the ball. You know what I mean? Like, so, so that way they can negate any issues of like, if there is, there tends to be some sort of situation where a player knows, okay, as long as I stay down for 10 seconds, the ref might call a timeout. But if they can assess that there is no issue or whatever, then they could call delay a game and then there'd be a penalty of that. So I think this I have one. I have one that's a little bit different. Yeah. I will say because I was thinking about it as you were talking. Mm-hmm. I will say that instead of having a referee timeout, mm-hmm. I will say that each coach can have one injury timeout. Okay. And it's completely separate from the timeouts that they get. It's a whole But it thing. could be one call mm-hmm. where a player is down and you have to be 100% sure that, that maybe, like, the injured player will signal to the coach, like, I need this timeout. Or some, something that indicates, like, this is not just something where I'm going to pop it up in 10 seconds. It has to be a seconds. signal like, that says injury timeout or something. It's a signal that says, coach, I need you to call. This is a serious injury. Like, I need you yeah. to call that timeout. You know what I mean? And that could be the coach's way of, of keeping ownership and it doesn't have the ref interfering with the game, but maybe it's a way for the coach to take a little bit more control of the situation and say, you know what, I know my player and yeah, my player can, you know, is aggressive players. So they might be a little bit more beat up, but this is an unusual circumstance. And it also, like you said, you might have players that flop or, you know, they're kind of always on the floor because they're more of an aggressive or dominant, you know, physical player. Um, mm-hmm. But it gives opportunity for the, the coach to take a, and the team and the player to take a little bit more ownership and saying, I'm stopping this game because my player is hurt, as opposed to a referee saying it. Maybe that might be another option. Um, but it, it's different from their other timeouts and kind of like the challenge, you know, like we have the one challenge. You use it, you don't use it, but it's there if you need it. You but know, it also and so maybe takes away from their timeout. Right. So this would be something so where it's there be... if they need it, and it's completely separate from the timeout. And maybe they could even call it something different, like an injury pause or injury, you know, just something different. Injury, injury break. Yeah. Yeah. Injury, injury delay. Just something yeah. like that. But it I also think that it needs to have a time frame. You know, this is not a time right. for the teams to huddle. Not. Like if yeah. you're calling an injury, if you're calling an injury timeout or injury pause. It's like trainers get out there. Player needs to be off the court in thirty seconds because if it's a serious, and the player needs to go straight to the locker room. This is not one of those. Oh, we're just gonna yeah, walk the to the bench and take it off. Like trainer yeah. needs to go. They need to go straight to the locker room, and it may even need to be serious enough to where like does the player need to be out for the remainder of the game? Like does the player need you know like there has to be some specific ramifications for it because I could see this kind of getting out of control. Right? Yeah, it could. People yeah, just kind of calling timeouts and using them there, but it needs to be like, you know, kind of like when you're injured, like if you get injured and you don't shoot your free throws, you don't get to come back because that means that you're injured enough to where you don't need to be playing Can't because play. you may have torn your ACL or ruptured your Achilles. So it needs to be something where it's like serious enough to where you need to go to the locker room. You need to get looked at. You need to get some treatments or something. Maybe you could come back, but you know, you need to be back there for at least a good 10 minutes getting evaluated, getting the muscle massages and all that kind of stuff, you know. And so maybe if we put it on the coaches, it'll hold them to a certain level of accountability as well. That's an idea. So just an just the alternative. You know? Yeah, that's an idea. Either way, something need to happen. I'm because I'm sorry. <laughs> All of that happening, the no call. I just thought I thought that was unacceptable, and I still think it's unacceptable. Yeah, I, I would call I, something. I, we never like to see our star plays and at you know MVP candidate, right. part of the Connecticut Playing Sun. With like, torn labrum. If she's right, that, and they're, she's and they're in a do or die situation. We don't yeah. want to see them, you know getting even more injured because they're getting tripped over or you know stuff like like we don't want to see that we don't see want to see any further injury um so yeah call it better i listen i understand (laughs) let them play uh, let the let the players play but officials please call these games better especially in the finals because my team is playing and i'll be damned if because (laughs) i will be damned if y'all mess around and have somebody hurt somebody on my aces okay Chill out, officials. Call it right. Like, be decisive, but also make it make sense. Okay? Thank you. That's all I ask.
Okay, so before we close up, um, for our breakout stars, we wanted to do, instead of breakout stars that we have seen, now that we're going into the finals, we wanted to talk about who we, who each team needs to have as their breakout star for the finals in order to propel them to a win. So who should be their X factor going into this final series? Who do we anticipate is going to be that player that is going to do or die for each of their teams? So, so Jocelyn, you want to go first? I'll go first. Um, also love this idea, Sam. Good idea. Um, I will have to say, so I joked around before we were recording. I said Sid, but I'm going to need her to to be a breakout. But maybe we'll I'll save that for like next week when we record. Who I'm gonna say now? Starting out, we talked about it before. Even if she's in the game or not, it has to be CP3. It's gotta be Candace Parker. She's the X factor. She's gotta be on the sideline or like on the bench talking, like you said, to that blonde, or just or on the actual bench talking in everybody's ear before they get in the game, while they're in the game talking, yelling out to them, or just like while like there's a dead ball or whatever, or a foul shot, talking to them on the, she is a big factor on this team. And her being there at every game of the finals is crucial, pivotal. Her expertise her basketball iq her actual championship games i i finals like you know series iq is there we need her vet experience on 100 and we need her input to also even talk to beck and help becky get her get the team together and making sure that they're focused locked in and they're all doing the right thing so i say my x factor for the aces will have to be cp3 Well, I will say for the Aces, um, I'm going to go with Kia Stokes. I talked about her last week. I talked about how important she is, especially on defense. Um, When it comes to spacing, she's silently such a huge asset to the team. And I don't think I noticed it until later on in the season. Mm -hmm. You know how much I've been frustrated by Kia Stokes. Girl, you know how much um, I have been. <laughs> but she is so pivotal in that starting five, and it's not what she does that shows up on the stat sheets, but I talked about the little things that she does um, in terms of setting those screens. She regulates the spacing. She's always just squeezing herself into positions that make the most for her teammates. And so I think that in terms of, you know, reading the defense in terms of, you know, spacing out her players. She just has such an awareness um, for the floor. Um, And she's going to have to step up in a big way because she's only been averaging about 19 minutes um, this season. But we saw in the Dallas game, she and, you know, throughout the series, she had been superseding that 19-minute mark, just showing how much Becky trusts her and how essential she is just in the overall gameplay, um, regardless of who's on the court in terms of the five Aces players. Um, So she is a pivotal person that I'm going to be looking for. And like I said, I need her to get at least a couple points. She can get a good four points, six points. Six, preferably. I'm not going to push it too much. Like, you know, her average is right around four. So (laughs) I'm going to go with four to six. I'm gonna need her to get at least her five rebounds, but if we can get six, seven, eight, Ten. nine, like I'll be even happier. <laughs> I already have but the I, stats I need from her. I know that Becky has been pushing her, and yeah. I know you know she talked about in um, the post game press conference how um, Kia is kind of like a cleanup woman. Like she does a lot of the grunt work, but she doesn't mind doing the grunt work. She doesn't mind cleaning up after people she doesn't mind being in those spaces where she just fills in the gaps and I think that she does it well and so I think that she is going to be key for their success Kia is key key Kia Kia is key okay (laughs) yeah I would say yes to all of that but I'm just again leveling up you have to level up in the finals so Kia I need you to level up you are key yes you are a key player 
I'm giving you your flowers. Sam gave you your flowers. Girl, I believe in you. So instead of those five rebounds, let's push five more out of you. I know you could do it. And even if you don't hit five more, reaching for more than five is always going to be a plus in my eyes. So if you don't get five and you get three, that's cool with me, okay? As far as the points, four points, you have to level up there too. So what I want out of you is six. Give me six points, 10 rebounds. I, one assist because you had an assist in the last game as well. Throw an assist in there. I'm not even mad. Give us some high-low game with the post players. I'll be all right with that. So give me six points, Kia. Give me 10 rebounds, Kia, and one assist, and I will be so elated with you. Now moving on to the Liberty, who I think needs to be a breakout would have to be Dolson. I need Dolson to figure out, like, I think she might be like this crazy X factor off the bench. They need some production off the bench because say the Aces, which I already know I'm going to speak it into existence, their defense is going to be smothering. And they're going to need somebody to hit that three. We know about Johannes, but Johannes has been a little cold lately. So let's say Dawson, who's been talking so much about how the Mystics before weren't really no match. So what about the Aces, girl? You guys going to stay here? So I'm going to need you to step up and hit those threes and bring that height. Because that she is a tall player. I forget how tall she is. She might be like, what, 6'5 or something? So bring in that height and also bring in that three will be way harder to contest. And she could be an X factor for the Liberty in this final series. Mm, I think for New York, I'm gonna have to go with Laney. Okay, um, Lethal Laney, we know it, but Lethal Laney is consistent for the most part. Lethal Laney is pretty consistent. She's had a couple rocky games, yeah, um, in the playoffs, and so we need that consistency from her again. We need her to just be on her P's and Q's. And New York is what. 17 and 2 when Laney scores at least 15 points. That's what I need from her. I need her to be hot for 40 minutes. I need her to just come out with all the energy. She is a physical type of player. And so I need her to use her physicality to her advantage. She can play a guard position, but she really is a true forward. And so I need her in that position. Um, I need people to look for her because she's a lot of times just waiting in the wings, like for somebody to hand her the ball, (laughs) literally waiting in the wings for somebody to kick the ball out to her. And so I need New York to see her because she's there and she's ready. And she's that player that sometimes is like the defense just forgets about her because she's such a silent assassin. And so I need her to get hot in order for New York. Well, I don't need her to get hot, but New York needs her to get hot. And so in order for New York to be effective, they need to do something. That's a good pick. I mean, I think that Laney always brings the heat. I call, I nicknamed her, and I still will continue to Lethal Laney. She's also a sweet person, it seems like. So I really do like Laney. And yeah, if she's activated, if they make sure she's activated, because honestly, Laney and JJ have really been carrying this team, especially in the playoffs. So now that they hit, they made it to the finals. Laney also, I believe, carried again. Uh, earlier this afternoon in the game against Connecticut. So if Laney is 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 continuing to be lethal and consistent, and like you said, Sam, they find her, they make sure to keep her definitely um, involved on on offense and in the on defense. Yeah, they're going to be a problem. But I think as far as like matching up height wise, uh, the Aces don't have that much height, which is why I did I skipped past Johannes and went straight to Dolson because Dolson is so tall it's not much people that can actually guard her that can match up properly to even like contest a shot in a way and if she's on with that three that she thinks she is then i think that could be like a secret weapon that the liberty have because they they kind of not kind of they actually have a deep bench and i think that if uh coach utilizes that they could that could be a problem for the aces but you know whatever i still think aces for the win championship 2p baby let's go (laughs) (laughs) well jocelyn where can the people find us if they want to tell us their finals predictions if they want to tell us who they think their x factor is going to be 
Yes. Well, you can find us on IG at Beyond the Bleachers underscore. You know, I didn't give out a timeout this uh, this episode, but I'm gonna go back and give our timeout. You guys, our sophisticated spectators, give your timeouts too. We want to know throughout the series who y'all have as a timeout. I'm gonna give a timeout to that daggone ref. He's number eleven on the back of his uniform. Number eleven, bald head, black man. You get a timeout for not saying for that no call today because that could have been detrimental for AT. And she's a fiance now, so get it together. <laughs> you know I had to say it. But yes, y'all, come on down. We have so much fun. We have a lot of fun on our lives and all that. You can catch us again at Beyond the Bleachers underscore on IG. Come follow us, like, subscribe, rate, and continue to talk to us because we love to hear from y'all. <laughs> yeah. And on that one, it has been great talking to you. It has been great going live for these games. We've been having so much fun engaging with everybody. And so keep joining us for lives on IG. That's at Beyond the Bleachers underscore. Keep liking the content, commenting, DMing us. If you're not so brave to put it in the comments. (laughs) And keep listening to the podcast. Please do. We love to hear y'all. We love y'all. And so, Jocelyn, I will catch you in the next one. Bye. See ya.